I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Down the block, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. The prelim finals kick off tomorrow night, and today I had a special guest jump on and talk to me about all of his predictions. 2010 Premiership winner, former Dallium 5-8 of the year, Jamie Sauer, jumped on to have a chat about, you know, finals footy and the mentality surrounding finals footy. We spoke about two moments in particular going back in his career. The 2010 Grand Final that they won, obviously, we went back the week before that where Jamie Sauer had to step up and kick a 35-metre field goal to defeat the Tigers to earn the Dragons their spot in the grand final. We then fast forward to 2014 and the Penrith Panthers. Jamie Sowell's the captain of them and the halfback. They're coming up against the Sydney Roosters who are looking to go back to back in 2014. And, you know, they're down and out. They're down by six points with about seven minutes to go, the Penrith Panthers. Sowie sets up one try, then he kicks the winning field goal for Penrith to win that game. Just incredible stuff. Sowie, he's been to finals footy. He understands that he's won a premiership. He's been the hero in plenty of games. He's got a great insight into rugby league. He's one of the real underrated players for me. You know, one of the greatest kicking games, if not the greatest kicking game we've seen. I, don't, I still don't think he's truly appreciated for what he was able to do in rugby league. He's a fantastic bloke, and it was great to have him on today. This isn't so much a chat about his career and his life, more about the footy right now. We've got finals kicking off tomorrow, and I can't wait. Let's kick it off. The kick from Sauer. Yeah. The kick from Sauer. It's a goal. It's a goal. Jamie, welcome on. How are we, mate? Nathan, it's the uh, best time of the year, really. Prelim finals and grand finals coming up, so I'm, uh, I'm pumped and very busy. Mate, it's a, it's an exciting time for everyone, mate. Obviously, the news with you lately, you're heading back to the St. George Illawarra Dragons next year in a coaching role. Tell me about that. Mate, it's, uh, you know, I've sort of wanted to dabble in coaching for a while now, and getting the right opportunity has, has sort of been on the lookout, so having the opportunity to go back to the Dragons and work on yeah some kicking stuff and also game management stuff. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm there probably six hours a week, so three days a week, and looking forward to it. Mate, you've got your hands full with your own podcast. Tell me about it. 
Yeah, I've got a couple now. It's, uh, it's sort of grown. Everyone's really got their own podcast. I've got the Sweet and Sour podcast, which is pretty much turned into four dads talking about footy, really. But um, no, Nick Davis and myself host that. And uh, I've got a Move on the Chains one, which is the NFL one that I do with uh, Chad Townsend, Trent Copeland, and Nick Davis. So uh, between that and talking a little bit of footy uh, on a Monday and answering fan questions, I'm pretty busy with the podcast stuff. But I love the fact that you can have conversations. Like, you know, we DM'd each other uh, on Instagram and all of a sudden it's a podcast. So I don't think that um, you, know, you would have been able to do that and connect with people, you know, sort of five, ten years ago. So I love that about podcasts. Mate, I um, I owe you a few beers. A couple of years ago, I uh, I entered into a competition. You know, when you're at the pub and you've got um, uh, trackside up on the screens, the little um, yeah. the robotic yep. horses, they... Um, I saw their Facebook page put out a thing. They said, we're running out of names for the horses. I'm, um, we're going to give you a theme and enter it if you want. The theme was NRL players um, and vegetables or, or fruits. And I, and I sort of plugged in there. And I, I think I put soured grapes or sweet and soured, one of the uh, one, one of the two anyway. I got a call two days later. I'd, I'd won the fucking thing. So you won me a bit of coin. And then <laughs> and then the bloody dog went around on trackside. So I'm sitting there at the pub and it comes on and I've gone, holy fuck, there it is. So I go to the ATM. I load up on it. It loses. I'm filthy, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'll deal with it. Then all of a sudden, it's on the next race as well. It was on five races on the trot. So the next one, I'm running to the ATM. I'm getting money out. Couldn't get on it. Missed that one. Got on the next one, and it won at about nine dollars. I was fucking flying. <laughs> That's awesome. That's one of the best stories ever. So uh, mate, I'm glad you got that. You you, you don't know me the beers. You are the guy that uh, came up with the sign at Cogra. He, he actually gave it to me. So. Uh, I registered the business name uh, Sweet and Sour a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, but congratulations, you got some coin, mate. You'll have to keep an eye out because I've seen it running there once or twice since, so it's still going around. Uh, mate, I'm up there having a couple of beers at me local every every week, so I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. Mate, obviously uh, prelim finals this week, you know, massive games, and I just want to take you back um, to 2010. Obviously, you won the grand final that year, but I want to talk about the week before that. You take on the Tigers in the prelim final. You know, it's a massive lead-up over two years of, you know, the Dragons are just copying it left, right, and centre, being called chokers and whatnot, and you got into that game, and... You know, in my opinion, they were the two best sides in 2010, the Tigers and the Dragons. You were both just on another level. Tell me about the lead-up to that game. Yeah, I think your, your comment there about the two best teams, uh, looking back, you know, I felt like that was probably the grand final. Uh, and that's no disrespect to the Titans and the Roosters. It just felt like that whoever was going to win that game, you know, wins the, the next week. So uh, the build-up was around the older guys and losing to the Tigers in 05. And then the Tigers went on to win that game, uh, win the premiership that year. So uh, for us younger guys who hadn't sort of experienced the deep finals run, it was all pretty much new to us. So uh, huge build-up. All, all I can remember from uh, that whole week was the older guys taking the brunt of the comments, but running out and having 80, I think it was 82,000 at ANZ Stadium. It was like a beehive. And, yeah, grand final day, you actually warm up inside. But the prelim final, we warmed up outside maybe as in preparation for the next week, I don't know, but um, it was certainly an experience, you know, running out and warming up in front of 80,000 to know that 10 minutes later you were going to be, you know, playing in, in the biggest game of your, of your career. Mate, obviously Lottie Takira, he scores the first try in that game. You guys are behind. Obviously there's going to be, a t- you know, there's going to be two teams this week that are going to be behind on the scoreboard to start with. It's not going to go to plan for someone. Do you remember that moment? Like, what was spoken about behind the try line there? Yeah, it was a shit read by me. Um, I'd come in, up and in, 
and they just played a little second man play and Jace couldn't stop Lottie. Um, but there's sort of, you know, that right edge um, with Gaz and, and Bowie there, we just got together and just said, you know, we're, it wasn't really much talked about. I mean, it sort of caught us on the hop, but also, you know, there's not really much time you've got before you have to sort of make your next decision. So, um, yeah, for me, it was, you know, get back to what we're doing next. And we started slow, and that, that sort of first half typified where the Tigers are at. They're a really quality side, and, you know, we are, we only just hung on because, um, you know, we went into halftime down. But, yeah, that first try conceded probably... Here our defence was good and we'd only conceded, I think, about 13 points a year. So um, it was, yeah, I think it was, um, just took us by surprise, I'd say. Mate, you mentioned you were down at half-time, obviously. What did Wayne say in the sheds? I'd just stay the course. Yeah, we'd, we'd been the best team all over the last two years and just um, stay the course and go out there. We spoke about the up-and-in defence of the Tigers. A couple of times they'd shut us down and Gaz hadn't had much ball and um, before that sort of second try where Jay scores, um, we needed to try and find a way to get Gaz and, and that right edge into the game to open up the rest of the game for us. So uh, we spoke about just trying to get it to that edge. Mate, obviously later in the game, Jason Nightingale scores. It's 12 all. There's a couple of minutes left on the, on the clock. Mate, that's your moment to step up. I imagine it's one of your uh, career highlights. Yeah, look... Uh, yeah, I prided myself on being prepared to be able to take that kick and you know and, and had games where I'd missed you know later in my career and, and before where I'd missed penalties and whatever else that ended up costing us but you know that moment um, I knew that I wanted to take the field goal I got myself in position and the preparation was was key for me so uh, once I once I knew that we were going to get down there I'd yeah I'd be adrenaline running so I had to sort of calm myself down but uh, I don't think I'd hit a better field goal than what I did that night. Mate, taking a kick like that in a big game, I imagine there's a lot of mentality behind that. Yeah, yes and no. Um, the story I, you know, that I probably remember was I used to take shots at field goal in warm-up and I'd always keep kicking them until I made three in a row. And that night, for some reason, um, I, I actually had a beer with my stepdad and talked about it afterwards was that one night I just took one shot and nailed it and I didn't have any more and I just ran off and, and did the rest of my warm up and he asked me about it and I said well I wasn't going to hit it any better than that and then little did I know that you know over an hour and a bit later I was going to hit it better but I'd already done the work so uh, I think the mentality that the guys put me in position the pass from Fiends he was, was spot on and you don't kick the field goals from 70 or 80 out you kick them when your team gets in position, and I was lucky enough to boys do that. Mate, in 2010, obviously, leading into that game, you had a week off, and, you know, the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm, they have that advantage this year. How do you think both sides are going to deal with that week off? Well, Melbourne have been here before, so they know how to handle it. Um, usually, you know, you get some work put into you after the game, after you recover, and you know that you got that week off, and then you'll probably enjoy the weekend away. That's different for COVID, but Melbourne have been here before, so they would have you know, experience what it's like and we've seen the Panthers prep, preparing to, to get that week off and having training runs and this and that so, um, you know it's going to be different, the, the Panthers love playing footy, they're young, they've got fresh legs it could go two ways that, that either holds the momentum or it freshens them right up to explode to get themselves into a grand final so I think you need the week off to win a grand final, 
Um, I think it's really hard when you don't get that opportunity to, to have a spell, especially this year. And you know, I'd be interested to see how both teams start in the first 10 minutes this week. Mate, obviously Penrith, they're no underdogs now. But I mean, if you look back at the start of the season, if you know, if I told you that they would have essentially gone undefeated and they'd be one win away from a grand final, it just it defies belief. And it sort of, you know, it takes me back to that uh, twenty fourteen side that you played in. You know, you you made it into the finals. There wasn't a heap of expectation on you guys. You you, you play the Roosters in that semi final. I think you're down eighteen twelve with a couple of minutes left. Finish this story for me. Yeah, well, just. Just quickly to touch on this year's Penrith side, they're, they're way more talented and a better side than what we were in 2014. I think that, you know, they've worked into their season nicely. I thought their attack was really um, ordinary at the start of the year, but they were winning games other ways, which is really important. So you can see how good they are now, but that's been a work in progress. Um, yeah, it was funny that that game we were, you know, we scored first and then the Roosters scored a soft one down the short side and then... You know, they, they scored another couple of tries and we got one back through Dino. It was 18-12. And I remember James Maloney going for a field goal um, from an angle, which as a kicker, you probably don't want to do too many times. And he um, ends up missing the, the field goal and all of a sudden we get an opportunity. And, um, yeah, we go down there and I was like, yeah, this is going to be... This is going to be good. If we can get a little bit of a roll on, I thought we could. I didn't know what how it would all unfold, but I just felt like we had a bit of a roll on and, you know, go down a short side. Kite's at dummy half. Frank Kite's at dummy half. I don't know what he's doing there, but I ended up putting the kick in. And the real story is behind earlier that year at training where I put a kick in and Dallin sort of just gave up on the chase and it ended up stopping in the end goal. And Dallin's a, a you know, a Christian boy and pretty quiet and doesn't swear. And I give him a good old bake. Uh, training about chasing the kick and all this kind of stuff and little be known to him he ends up chasing the kick and flicking it back in and Dino scores so I uh, had a kick from the sideline people will tell you that the field goal was the biggest kick and what they remember but for me the toughest one was making it 18 all so um, yeah it was it was a big kick from the sideline and then a couple of minutes later we're, we're in a position where you know the boys we kick downfield two play slips over and Dino and Will Smith are making some really big plays on that right edge. And we end up getting the scrum. And the play was designed for Moiser. Like, he was supposed to kick the field goal because he had the legs. And I, I was comfortable kicking it. I had no qualms about that. But Moiser was in position and he'd had a really big year. And sometimes you go to the hot end. And uh, they rushed him quickly. And Chico passed it to him one ball, one pass early. And he gets tackled. And I was like, not in position, but I just pulled back and just pulled the trigger and yeah he wasn't the prettiest field goal but went straight enough to get over mate how much work goes into your field goals like when 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 you're playing you know each and every week how, how many hours are you putting into that and just your general kicking game i remember i had um i had isaac john on during the year and he spoke about just the amount of hours that he spent just watching you kick balls around at training how much time were you putting into it yeah well i don't think you can put any hours time on it i think it's more about um yeah, why you're doing it. You know, sometimes as a goal kicker, you may have, you know, a thousand kicks a year for maybe 200. Like, it's maybe less, maybe like 50 or 60 kicks. So, um, I think it was about understanding why you kick in those situations, what kick it was necessary and, and how you prepare for those kicks. So, um, for me, kicking a field goal was all about preparation. You know, did I have the ball exactly where I wanted and, 
you know, what, what time of the game was it? Do we need it now? Should we go now? I mean, I remember kicking one uh, field goal on, on the Gold Coast three minutes after half time, and the boys yeah, that, that probably didn't understand it were like, "Why'd you do that?" And I said, "Well, you know, it was the last play. We sort of didn't really have anything set. You know, we'd made a break. Not everyone was there, and I'm in front, and we get the ball back. So, you know, it's um, it's about understanding the game management of time, of what kind of kick is needed, what's required." Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hired, how's our team going, all those things. And yeah, preparing for that is that training, you know, understanding, right, in a game, am I going to be able to punch it into a corner? Can I get a repeat set here? You know, what kind of kick does the team need that I'm playing with right now? And how can we keep that momentum or, or stop their momentum? So um, I prided myself on understanding that. And, and later in my career, I understood a lot easier, so I didn't have to practice as, as long. Um, but the quality was still there in those short, um, short practices, sure. For you, mate, obviously there's only four teams left. Who's got the best kicking game uh, left in the NRL now? Question. I, I love Reynolds' kicking game. Um, I think that he understands what's needed, you know, when, when a team is sort of, when his team's up against it and also when they're on the front foot. So, Cleary's kicking game's great. Luai's been fantastic on short side. Um, probably that's the weakness of the Raiders. I don't know if their kicking game's strong enough to be able to hurt the Melbourne Storm. And if they turn over possession, the, the Melbourne Storm will punish them. So I, I would say the Bunnies. I think the Bunnies and Adam Reynolds are the best kicking game. Mate, leading into the Storm Raiders game there, I guess for me, and I imagine for you being, being a 5'8 yourself, the matchup that I'm most excited for is uh, Jack Whiten taking on Cameron Munster. It just could be anything, couldn't it? And it's funny because you say matchup and they play on opposite sides of the field. So. <laughs> I love the fact that we, we all fantasise that those two guys are like gladiators head-to-head. But um, the left-hand side for the Melbourne Storm is so potent. And Pappenhausen's been fantastic. Cameron Munster, run, if he runs the footy and is having Cameron Munster night, then it's going to be a long night for the Raiders. Jack Whiten has turned into a rate 5-8 in our competition. And I, I'm not lying here. I, I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. You know, he, I thought he was an outside back. Uh, his kicking game continues to develop. He's, last week, he got rid of that one bad kick where he turns over possession. You know, he was he was diligent last week in how he turned over the ball. So, I think the last sort of four, five, eight, you know, we're pretty lucky that they're all New South Welshmen. So, uh, oh, sorry, except for Munster, that there's three New South Welshmen in there. Luai is eligible for New South Wales. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, you know, these are the four best teams left of this year. Mate, speaking of Wyden, Obviously, State of Origin comes around in a couple of weeks. Would he be playing the centres or would he be the 5'8 in your side? Uh, I've got him at four, at four yeah, in centres. Uh, I think that Luke Keery, even though pe- people are quickly to forget that this is a guy who's won a Clive Churchill medal and played for Australia and won three competitions, he's, you know, he is the best 5'8 for New South Wales at the moment. 
Mate, obviously on Saturday night, uh, your former club, the Penrith Panthers, they take on South Sydney. What's your read on South Sydney, mate? I mean, a month ago, um, they got dusted by Canterbury and, you know, thoroughly outplayed there, in my opinion. And it's just like they've switched something. Is it? Is You know, I'm sure you'll know more than me, but I imagine this has got a bit of Wayne Benton written on it, doesn't it? Yeah, he knows how to sprinkle the magic dust at uh, the right time of the year. And you have a look at how they've changed their style of play. A lot more seven to six rather than seven out the back. To six, it's a lot of over the advantage on stuff and and making people make decisions. So uh, the Rabbitohs, you know, scoring points. They the thing about the Rabbitohs Saturday night is, which would scare me if I'm a Panthers fan, is that they just keep throwing punches. You know, this is a side that's trailed twice now in two finals games and just kept throwing punches and ended up winning easily. So uh, they'll test you out. Reynolds is obviously in great form. Katie Walker's the form player of the competition um, and the way that they can attack, they've got plenty of points in them. Mate, obviously when you were at Penrith, Ivan Cleary was your head coach for a while there and I'm sure you would have seen a little bit of Nathan. Obviously, he would have been a teenager then, has it? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it hasn't um, surprised you how he's kicked on, but it must be unbelievable, you know, how quickly he has kicked on to the level he's at. Yeah, I actually played in Nathan's debut in 2015. That's uh, 2016, sorry, so... God, that's amazing um, how yeah, long he's been around for. Yeah, I think that, that sort of surprises people. I think, you know, this is the first year that Nathan's been past the second week of the finals. And if they lose Saturday night, they've underachieved because they've, they've shown this year that they can win the competition. Um, he always knew he was talented and he understood the game. I think that he's, this year more than ever, his game understanding and, and game management and how to, to get people the ball and not necessarily have to come up with the right play right now you know you can invest in in the next 10 minutes by putting in a kick early here and not necessarily try and go for the try so uh, I think he's yeah he's definitely you know, he'll be the halfback for New South Wales what's, uh, what's Ivan Cleary going to say to this mob before they run out oh I think he'll be pretty calm you know knowing that you'll just want them to be diligent defensively he'll be reminding them defensively that they need to be on uh, ahead of you know they were they had their pants pulled down by the Roosters early so if you give the uh, Rabbitohs a sniff, you're going to be able to probably be behind the game. So you want them to be diligent defensively and let the attack flow when they get their opportunities. Mate, obviously the Penrith hooker as well, you played a bit of footy with him. Uh, I, I believe you would have played one season together, 2015. The way that he's come on, I mean, he got to play in that grand final in 2014. Then he arrived at you guys. He's gone over to Manly. did really well there. He's really found a home in Penrith again, hasn't he? Yeah, he certainly has. I've played, been lucky enough to play with Damien Cook and Appy Coruscant and both very different styles of play. But Appy's just such a, a, an ultimate competitor. He's got finesse around the rack and he's dangerous running the ball. So... Uh, I can't wait for those two guys to go head-to-head. They get through a mountain of work. Um, like I said, very different styles. But Appy's been a real, I guess, leveller for Nathan and, and Jerome at when to get them the ball because sometimes Penrith have been guilty last year of just giving Nathan the ball because he wanted it, whereas Appy's given him the ball when he needs it. Uh, and that's, that's totally different. Mate, you mentioned Damien Cook there. Obviously, he's a guy that when these rule changes came in, we all thought, you know, Damien Cook's going to set the world alight here. He's played good footy all year, but it's only been in the last month where he's really started to constantly break the line and take them on through the middle. Have you been impressed with Cookie? Yeah, I have, Nathan, and you're probably right. I don't think it's been his best season by a long shot. Um, I thought that last six weeks has coincided with Walker actually doing more to the defence for Damien. 
and allowing him you know, time and space to be able to run off the back of creating some plays rather than trying to bash and barge the ball and expect Damien to run for a 1,000 metres and cut people open. Uh, he's actually been able to have the defence manipulated to his liking and then be able to take off and, and uh, come up with some of the brilliant plays that he can do. Mate, obviously, Cody Walker, the finish to his season has been unbelievable the last four weeks. It's got a bit of a Hain 2009 feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. He'll be in that blues uh, 17 for sure. He's uh, the way that he's played the game. He doesn't get flustered. He's shown that you know he's, he's going to be able to pop up on both sides of the field and, and come up with a big play. So I think that you know what he's been able to do, like I said, he's probably helped Damien Cook open his sort of uh, kit bag and come out with some of his tricks just through being on the ball and running the footy. And obviously you mentioned before Luke Keir would be your six for State of Origin. You just said then Cody Walker would be in your 17. Would you be picking him off the bench or where would you have him? Yeah, I'll have him in the 14 or the 17. I don't know if it really matters. Uh, I think I've just got him on the bench. Um, Luke Keir has earned that, that opportunity to play 5-8 for New South Wales and Cody's yeah, going to be dangerous against Queensland coming off the bench and, and shows that he's tough enough to be able to play in the middle. So uh, I think he'd be a real bonus and, and he will be in that team somewhere. There's a couple of guys from Penrith too, uh, a couple of back rowers there, Isaiah Yo and Liam Martin, that I think would have to be extremely close to making that side. Are either of those two in your team? Liam Martin's in my starting back row and I actually had him putting a little bit of pressure on Tyson Fazell. I think that you know, Tyson's been fantastic. Uh, he looked a little bit tired towards the back end of this year and Liam's just shown a real toughness and grittiness that I know Freddie would love. So Isaiah's been a fantastic player for years now. He's been so consistent in what he does and on the field and he's a real nice guy at the NRL. I just think that there's, unfortunately for Isaiah, um, there's too many guys that are similar in his position. You've got Jake Trebojevic, Nathan Brown, you know, who they can move around, Cameron Murray, whereas... Uh, Liam Martin on that edge could be a real enforcer for New South Wales. To me, mate, Nathan Brown, he looks to just have State of Origin written on his forehead. Do you think he'll be in the first 17 pick by Freddie? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I announced my team the other day. I can't remember it offhand. But, yeah, I think um, he may come off the bench. So again, you're right. He's got Origin written on his forehead. And, and I think everyone's here waiting to see him propping at the mouth to be able to get out there and play the Queensland side. What are your predictions for this State of Origin series, mate? Obviously, it's going to be very different to previously. Still going to be guys in the bubble. We're probably going to see upward of, you know, 25, 27 guys used in a series by each side. How do you see it playing out? In New South Wales, I say it every year, and I hope the day comes when it actually happens. Um, Jeez, Wayne Bennett to be loved here and you say that. Wayne Bennett couldn't give two hoots what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I think for the first time in a long time, I mean, I was part of that side in 2011 that played against Smith, Thurston, Lockyer, Cronk, Slater, Hodges, you know, all those guys in one, Inglis in one team and for the first time in a long time I think New South Wales has got the full complement of guys that are in form and some real selection headaches for Freddie so uh, barring injury I think that New South Wales you know, bounce into this series full of confidence two in a row yeah, looking for three in a row, I think that Freddie's got the right culture there now and understanding what it means to be a Blues player and uh, he's going to have them ready to go come November 4th. Mate, before I let you go, obviously this week ended the Roosters' reign over the Premiership the last two years in a row. I mean, 
it's been 30-odd years since the team's gone back-to-back. For them to almost go do, do it three times, like, I imagine from your experiences when you guys won in 2010, how hard was it to go try and go back-to-back in 2011? Yeah, it's, you know, what the Roosters have done is just amazing. You know, what they've been able to do to get up time and time again, it's not it's not the finals that take toll on you, it's the season and getting everyone's best game. And they've done that, for, you know, nearly 36 months. Like, it's it's been ridiculous how, they, how good they've been. So I think that they'll bounce back next year with a few roster changes. They're still going to be hard to beat. They've still got two of the top five players in the world, in Tedesco and Kiri and, yeah, again, Trent Robinson, the way that he's been able to, you know, get his side ready and recharged and the, the standards, like the standards haven't dropped for them. You know, sometimes 2011, once we climbed the mountain, it was, you know, you sort of wait for that finals run to come around thinking you can flick the switch, but you needed to be having good habits throughout the year. And, you know, we probably left one on the table in 2011 because of origin. I think it cost us through the year. We had eight guys come out of origin and, and tired and stuff like that so uh, I think that what Trent Robinson and the Sydney Roosters have done has been fantastic Mate tell me about the halfback Kyle Flanagan he's copped a little bit in the media the last few weeks and you know unfortunately for him well fortunately or unfortunately he's playing at the Roosters which is great but they expect you know immediate success you know and, and it kind of reminds me you know you came into that Roosters system 05 06 they'd come off the back of four out of five grand finals expecting to win. And, you know, I, I remember you yourself copped a bit in the media when you were a young bloke too. Tell me about Kyle Flanagan and the situation he's in. Yeah, I think Kyle is unjustly blamed, you know, for that. They're wrongly blamed for the, you know, the Roosters not making a grand final or, or a three-peat or whatever. Like, you got to think, he's a 21-year-old kid come into the back-to-back champions who's still trying to not, fall into a system guy and still be his own kind of person on the field. So, you know, there was some stuff in the game that sure he'd love to have back and improve on throughout the year. But at 21, I think I was still coming off the bench and not even sniffing a grand final. So I think that the, we all look for, for reasons to blame when things don't go our way. But for Kyle right now, you know, that shouldn't be the least of his worries. I think that people look to take cheap shots all the time. I work in the media. Uh, people look to, to just make news and stuff like that. And uh, for me, if he does move on to the Bulldogs, then good luck to him. But, you know, people inside his circle would know that there's things for his game to work on to be at the, the elite level. But, um, yeah, he's, he's still only 21. Like, this is still a very talented kid. And, yeah, it's a fairly hard rap to, to cop that you were the blame because you didn't win three in a row because, you know, they lost other players as well. So, and they had injuries and all that kind of stuff. So um, if I was Kyle, and I know Kyle, I, he wouldn't be worried about it at all. Mate, tell me, obviously, over the next two weeks, finals experience is going to be crucial. And I was having a look at the stats this morning. Cameron Smith obviously sits with his 40 games, which simply defies belief. But then out of the next, you know, eight eight players that have played the most games of finals footy, they're all Melbourne Storm players. Do you see them winning this premiership? Uh, I do. I think that the winner comes from Friday night, to be honest. Yeah, what Cameron's been able to do has been fantastic. He's the greatest player that we've ever seen. Uh, I didn't like playing against him for obvious reasons, but, yeah, I think that he's been, you know, the Melbourne Storm organisation, this era has been really, you know, hard to watch if you're playing against them. You don't support them, but for a neutral at the back end, yeah, and in my media career being a neutral, it's been amazing what they've been able to do. You talk about the Roosters, 
you know, winning back-to-back championships, well, the, the Melbourne Storm have been right there. They've just had some bad luck and probably just haven't been good enough maybe in one or two games to get themselves there. So, um, yeah, amazing to think that Melbourne have dominated for so long. Be interested to see how they go uh, if Cameron and Craig decide to move on. Give me a score prediction for the Melbourne Storm and the Canberra Raiders on Friday night. Melbourne Storm uh, will win, and I think win on Saturday night, but it'll be very high scoring. Jamie, mate, I really appreciate your time coming on. Um, if people haven't already, the Sweet and Sour podcast, make sure you jump on and have a listen to it. And if you happen to be sitting at the tab and uh, Soured Grapes is running in trackside, make sure you get on her too. <laughs> too easy. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, brother. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 